Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yes, yes, yes. And welcome back to the Fresh Arsenal podcast. And today you have me, PB, and I'm joined by Pat. Hello, Pat. Another PB. How's it going? Yeah, good, good. I want to apologise to the listeners first and foremost that we've been offline, if you like, for about four or five weeks. In our defence, we were waiting for Arsenal to make another big signing. Um, We recorded the Ben White one back in June and he only got confirmed last week. So... That's the challenge we're up against this summer. And last week, we were about to record a uh, replacement for Xhaka podcast. And I think like between us planning it and planning to record, you went from being on the verge of joining Roma to the deal was off and Arsenal offering him a new contract. So you can see what we're up against. Content goes out of date quite quickly um, in the window, doesn't it? Things move. Definitely. And I think... You know, just I know we've got a bit of an agenda, but there is this nagging feeling in my mind that, that we are struggling to offload a load of players. Mm. But I did catch the second half of the Chelsea Arsenal friendly, or the Arsenal Chelsea friendly rather, because we were at home. Mm. And like some of the players that they've still got on their books, like Sapa Costa, yeah. I mean, that's their version of Kalasnac, isn't it? It's just one, they haven't given us, you know, I doubt Sapa Costa earns 100 grand a week, but also they can afford to have a bit of a fatty balance sheet, right? So um, yeah, I think I think clubs in general are struggling to sell um, yeah. and even get kind of loans with obligations to, to buy, as we'll kind of discuss. I think Chelsea have got, as you say, the luxury financially to, they'll send 20 players out on loan again this month and, and, and they'll still have a big squad. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't need to sell maybe as much as, as much as we do. I think the same is going to probably happen to us, to be honest. I think there's still probably 10 or so that we need to uh, try and shift. A lot of them we would be preferring to sell, but I just think so far anyway, as you say, it's not just Arsenal's problem. Um, You know, you look at Man United, they've still got some players on their books which um, haven't played for for a couple of seasons. So it is a universal problem. Um, Unfortunately, Arsenal had to have a big turnover window and it's a difficult difficult environment to do that um talking about the Chelsea game and talking about players who who maybe we thought we'd move on Joe Willock um anyone who watched the game scored a goal but uh, goal line technology was not on in the friendlies for other reason so uh, wasn't actually given by the officials we're trying to save money aren't we <laughs> <laughs> Even though they charge people eight pounds to watch the game, which I thought was outrageous. Um, yeah, Joe Willock scored, came off the bench, scored. Uh, obviously not given, but did clearly cross the line. And it just got me thinking, you know, Ben White, obviously big young English player, uh, big money signing. We're looking at the likes of Ramsdale, 
and other sort of younger English players. If we're struggling to sell players, we've got Joe Willock right here. He's a young English player. Um, yes, he's not the perfect mould for an Arteta team. And I think all of us sort of said that towards the end of last season. You know, if you can get a big bid and bring in a player more suited, it makes sense. But it just feels like now we want young English players. We want midfielders who can contribute to goals. He definitely can do that. You know, he's proven it in the Europa League for us, proven it in the Premier League for, for Newcastle. He's 21. Surely Arteta, it's got to be on him to try and mould the player, you know, find a place for him in this team. How, how do you feel about that situation? I think it's a quite interesting one, right? Like he is a player that is going to score goals. I think wherever he goes in his career, and, and I think about that about, I think that about, Edin Ketia as well, for example, who looked really sharp, actually. Made kind of a Bamiyang and Lacazette look like real slouches on the day. Um, even though I definitely think he should still definitely move on, especially considering his contract situation. But mm. Joe Willock's an interesting player. The jury's out on whether or not he can play in a two. The jury's out on whether or not he can play in a three in like more of a possession-based team. I think if you saw him for Newcastle, the goals he scored came from you know, mainly counter-attacking football um, or getting into the box late uh, a la Frank Lampard of, of old, right? So I think the way that Arsenal play football or are trying to play football in this kind of slow possession build-up from the back type uh, way, is he as suited to that as another player we might look to bring in and the likes of Bruno Gamaresh or um, Yves Basuma that we've been linked to? I'm not too sure. But, or, or, you know, previously, Emi Buendia, and obviously we're still linked to uh, Martin Odegaard, James Madison, etc. Mm. I do think it's clear what type of players or player that Nicola Tenta wants to bring in. And if you compare them to Joe Willock, the kind of, the parameters that you'd, you'd kind of set on like a transfer search, not that many would overlap between those types of players and Joe Willock. So I, I don't know, though, like, I think if you look at our squad, there's not that many goals in it. And mm. one thing Joe Willicks does is is score goals. So whether you're looking at a player that comes on off the bench um, or does eventually start for Arsenal and compete for that number 10 or, or kind of attacking eight role, I'm not too sure. Um, I, I do think that, you know, party potentially now being out for potentially the, the first few games is going to maybe... Um, make Arteta think about things. Are we going to go into the season with an NL Nenny Xhaka pivot again? Like it's, it seems unfathomable to do so. So I, I don't know. I think Joe Willock, the, the other thing you don't want to do with Joe Willock though is sell him for cheap. Like mm. that's the reason Granit Xhaka is not going because if 13 million pounds is the most that, you know, one of the, one of the top Europe, uh, clubs in Europe can muster, then what's the point? And the same thing could be said with Willock, right? If yeah. Newcastle come to us and say, well, we'll give you £16 million for Joe Willock. Well, when, you know, Martin, when, when Gwehi's going for 15 to 20 million to Swansea, not to Swansea, sorry, to Palace, I think it's just, I think that the reality of the situation is we're not going to get enough money that is going to help us get a, a very, very good able-bodied replacement for him or mm. a player that is going to really be compatible to Thomas Barty. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's spot on. I mean, if if a bid of north of thirty million came in from Newcastle, like it felt like it might do towards the end of last season, it changes the conversation a bit. But all we're seeing is that they want him on loan again. Well, yeah, you know, we've only got Smith Rowe currently, sort of in the in the number ten position. And as you say, Willock, if we want to start to move to a formation with a bit more of two eights, Willock can potentially slot in there. So. Yeah, it's. I, I just find it interesting with Smith Rowe, as good as he is and as good as he's shown and he fits into the Arteta system, he does lack goals. And Arteta sees that and wants to coach more goals into him. And you can see in pre-season, he's shooting a lot more. He seems to have adapted his game a little bit to, to try and get more goals. And I'm sure he will this season. But with Willock, you've got someone who's got that instinct already. Why, why can't we coach the more possession... Um, side of things into him he's 21 years old you know he's maturing physically and mentally and it just feels like we can potentially make use of this player grown up with Smith Rowe with Saka you know we can sort of harness that um, chemistry between them 
and yeah it just feels like with, with the other options we've got on the table it's worth keeping and and making the most out of him but I would be really disappointed if he if he went on another loan personally with our current squad well what would be the point yeah right unless he signs like a six-year deal before going like what's actually the point we're just diminishing the value of our players by doing this there is nothing I think JB said it a couple of times on Twitter maybe 30 or 40 times <laughs> there is nothing Joe Willett could do next season short of winning the PFA young player of the year for Newcastle that would increase his value exponentially like mm. if Joe Willett got any better or any more valuable past like a 25 30 million pound player he'd start for Arsenal mm. so you know, like there's no point in loaning him out. If if you loan him out on the absolute off chance that he turns into England's next, uh, you know, partner to Declan Rice, then of course, fair enough. But like, what are the chances of that happening considering his skill set? Mm. Not amazingly high. Like, it, it seems as though we've seen enough of Willock from a, you know, he's, he's brought up at Arsenal. Like, he's an academy boy. Like, the, the academy, the staff now know what he's about. And yeah. I think it's kind of time to try and sell him for... above 20 million and get the money in and and move on if you don't do that then play it next season but I mean don't loan him that'd be ridiculous yeah I I think he potentially just needs a chance you know he's proven himself if you think back to Smith Rowe's breakthrough that was because of an injury if Willian wasn't injured that day does Smith Rowe ever get that breakthrough and become an important Mm. player and sign a new contract within six months so, you know, I just, I just feel like there's definitely an opportunity there for, for us. But let's move on. I think that's one one issue, one problem that Arsenal have got to get some clarity and direction on. But there are many others and we've got a month really? left. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm going to start with, well, move into um, your most passionate problem to discuss. <laughs> and And that is the goalkeeping situation. So... Just to give a bit of background, Arsenal obviously have had a couple of bids, I think, turned down for Aaron Ramsdale, Sheffield United goalkeeper. <laughs> Sounds like we're going back with a third bid. Um, there was a little bit of noise around Arsenal and Onana, um, Ajax keeper. That seems to have died off a bit. <laughs> we're left with currently, you know, with the season in, in less than two weeks' time, we've got Bern Leno, who in pre-season hasn't looked particularly assured last season didn't look brilliant we've got Renarsson who looked very poor when ever called upon <laughs> Matt Ryan I think that's own. really kind isn't it <laughs> like he's possibly the worst keeper I've ever seen play football like yeah. he's up there could you name like three worst keepers that you've seen play, play professional football but I remember and this this is maybe most damning to Leno but I remember Renarsson's first couple of Europa League games admittedly he didn't have like any shots to save I don't think and that is his biggest downfall and it's the most important thing that a keeper needs to do but I think with his feet in his first couple of games we were like oh this guy's better than Leno with his feet so that says it all and Mm. for people who haven't watched the friendlies we've got a a young sort of academy graduate who I think's officially moved up to the first team now yeah Um, Arthur Onkonkwo, I think is how it's pronounced. Yeah. Um, he made a couple He's really of... highly rated in the academy, isn't he? Yeah, he was. He was really highly rated, uh, is, I should say. But um, in pre-season... Has <laughs> made... how is. He's, he's no longer highly rated by Perma yeah. Osaka. <laughs> but I think it's it would be a it would be a lot to ask to ever expect him to, to step into a Premier League game this season. So no, it leaves us with a pretty dodgy... Well, not dodgy, but are not confident looking number one and the number two non-existent currently. What what do you make of the sort of goalkeeping situation? And, and would you well, say- let, me, let me ask you one question before we go into it. Like, yeah. do you think if we don't get a Ramsdale type player that is ridiculously overpriced and second choice won't be first choice next season, do you think we'll go back in for like a Matt Ryan type as a fullback? Do you think that's always on the table? Yeah, I I, li- I listened to the Arscast earlier today, and um, they were saying that it's possible we will ex- explore a sort of loan deal. I just think when playing out from the back is is such an important thing to to have these sort of temporary solutions now, two seasons in a row, no clear direction. You know, we sold Emmy, 
when it looks like, you know, now we want a homegrown keeper, a strong homegrown keeper to challenge. I know he didn't want to stay and be second choice, but, you know, we can debate all day about that one. But I think we need to address it. And you say there about Ramsdale, I know there's a lot of mixed opinions on him. And I would not be confident or happy if we spent 30 million on him. But I do wonder if he would be more than just a second choice. Do you think there would be eyes on him to sort of take over from Leno at some point? I think it would be very similar to the Henderson De Gea situation Mm. at United. Whereby, and again, like this is quite relative because I don't think Leno's ever been at the level that De Gea was, where he was, you know, clearly one of the best goalkeepers of the world at one point. And I think to to Leno's credit, there was a season where he was one of the top four or five keepers in the league before he got injured. Mm. Um, I think that if he came in at thirty million pounds, and you have Leno who's on a hundred k a week, I think you get yourself in a situation where you're either benching the 100k a week goalkeeper and diminishing his value when he's got two years left so you're going to sell him for pennies in the next summer or you're keeping the guy on the bench who's young and his value is not really going to depreciate no matter whether or not he plays kind of 10 or 40 games this season well maybe his value might diminish more if he plays 40 games Mm. um but i mean clearly i mean just just going back on the willet point very quickly the the players we are being linked with are predominantly homegrown. Mm. Um, a lot of them are, and if they're not, a lot of them are Premier League based players. That makes the Willock thing a bit more interesting in terms of whether or not he can be a fourth choice central midfielder slash second third choice uh, attacking midfielder. Um, mm. But just just again with the Leno situation and the goalkeeping situation, I really think this is one that's kind of snuck up on us, and I think this has kind of been. I think this has kind of been very consistent in terms of what we've seen with Arsenal in terms of building our squads over the last kind of 10 to 13 years. So if we kind of shift back to kind of the kind of 2007 to 2013 era, Henri leaves, we suddenly have Cesc Fabregas and, um, you know, we build all this kind of flair around him. You know, we have uh, Walcott, we've got Hleb coming in, we've got Flamini, seems to be, even though not the best player, a great partner for Fabregas, end up getting added by your Van Persie comes in. Um, and even at fullback, we start kind of developing, you know, you've got Sanya, who was one of the best right backs at the time in the league. And then Gail Clichy coming in was, was fairly decent, decent. And for years, we never addressed the center of our defense uh, mm. and arguably goalkeeper position as well. And it was kind of by the time we did or we got a half decent partnership, with, which was Mertesacker and Koscielny, Fabregas, Adebayor and the rest had left. Um, and you were left with basically just Van Persie. Um, uh Van Persie has an excellent season. Instead of building around him and adding players to him, we have to sell our best asset and we start from scratch again. And I feel like we've got to a position with goalkeeper or in that that we bought a solid goalkeeper who was a top four to seven keeper in the league. And suddenly we've gotten to a point, and this is probably our own pot fault in, in not kind of evaluating where we wanted to go. Um, from a kind of build-up perspective, um, and also he just doesn't look very confident, kind of as a goalkeeper as well. Mm. Where now we have to start addressing a situation which we didn't need to address like a season or a half ago, and it's going to happen again from yeah. a striker perspective, isn't it? Like either this summer or next summer, we are going to have to sign a forward because either Lacazette's going to leave on a free, or Abamyang's going to have a year left on his deal. Yeah. So it is like we we constantly. We're in constant. We're in this constant vicious cycle where I think it is just very unhealthy as a club. And I think one of the last pods we had, where I was talking about kind of like, or maybe even something I tweet uh, put on Twitter. Actually, I think that you maybe debated Ollie, where I basically said it's smart signing these younger players. And what I kind of meant by that is, if you sign kind of two young players a season, maybe two to three, that are kind of competitors in the squad and maybe not first choice, and you have this compounding effect where every year the good ones get better or the ones that don't you can sell or loan out or whatever the kind of Chelsea model you kind of end up in a situation where you are less likely to require kind of an overhaul of like goalkeeper centre-back centre-mids up front which we kind of are in a situation right now where we need a right back a goalkeeper a central midfielder who might arguably first choice an attacking midfielder and a, and a striker all over the next two windows. It's a lot to ask for. Mm. Um, I guess I guess the, the the other side to that is 
I keep I always reference AC Milan, right? And um, for we we really disliked even Gazidis uh, at Arsenal. I know he's he's struggling with cancer now, so thoughts with him. Um, we like what we've seen with them, for example, is they went from Timo Bakayoko being their best central midfielder for a season on loan to they're going to sign him back now on loan and he's going to be their fourth choice central midfielder. And that ha- that's happened over three seasons. So mm-hmm. things can change very quickly. Like you have four or five good windows and you can quickly move up. But I do feel we're in this perpetual cycle of like getting to a decent point and then like two or three key positions being like absolutely necessary to change. And that's been this cycle over the last like 13 years, which we do need to, to change really quickly because mm-hmm. every time you don't change it, it just gets worse and worse as we've seen coming yeah. eighth last season and the season before. Yeah, I mean, it's all down to a lack of strategy, a lack of good strategy. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Would you swap Maitland-Niles for Emmy Martinez now in swap deal? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so we turned down 15 million for Maitland-Niles last season. And a lot of fans didn't want to sell him for that price at the time, it should be said. But the club yeah. should have known we're moving to a back four. Maitland-Niles either can't play as a right back or doesn't want to play because he's not then been used as a right back in a four. So we should actually bank this money rather than selling Emmy Martinez because we want a strong homegrown second keeper. And we should have sold for that deal. You know, the fans might have not been happy, but it's the club that are thinking strategically. And that's my fear with Willock. So say we move to a 4-3-3 next season and we need a sort of goal scoring uh, number eight to play on the right-hand side. You know, maybe not start every game, but, you know, be part of that mix. And we're watching him play that role for Newcastle, maybe scoring eight to 10 Premier League goals. And we think, actually, we look at the same situation and think he could he could be doing a job for us, say we, we did sell him permanently. <laughs> and, you know, I just think the club need to know where we're going in terms of formation, where we're going in terms of style and think about these decisions because it does, we do look silly um, with the Martinez thing. The same could be said for Eddie Nketiah, you know, We'd all swap him for Emi Martinez now. But back in January, just a few months ago, when Enketia wasn't playing, West Ham were interested. I, I'm not sure they made an official bid, but no. Arteta did a very public hands-off, not for sale. You know, And in January, people are desperate for goals, desperate for signings. It's not unthinkable to think they would have offered you know, close to 20 million. And now we'd be lucky to get to get 15. He's probably just going to go on loan. Um and, and not make any money. So, yeah, it, it, it's frustrating. And it, and we need to get a grip on it quickly because, look, the top four, at least, are a long way ahead of us in terms of in terms of squad. And that's where we need to get to as a min, minimum, really, at Arsenal. So let me ask you this question. What would you accept for Ainsley Maitland-Niles this summer? And what would you accept for Eddie Nketiah this summer? What would, you, what would be the bare minimum that would mean that he... Is no longer, or those players are no longer Arsenal players. I think there's a few ways of doing it in terms of, you know, sell on, uh, sell on percentages and stuff like that, just to cover yourself in case they were to then move for 20, 30 million. But if none of that was included, I would have hoped to get 15 million each for them. Um, the longer the summer goes on, the more need there is for us to, to shed some of this squad we don't want a situation like we were in last year I'd maybe be willing to drop that a little bit but then I think ideally the club need to be looking at those sort of things sell on fees um, or when they hit certain landmarks in terms of goals and things extra millions are, are chucked in what, what what would you say well the thing is like Eddie Nketiah has he still got he's still got he's got he's got a year left on his deal doesn't he yeah just one year so, like, can we expect fifteen million pounds? Probably, I don't think we can now. No. Like, if someone was, if Brentford were like, we'll give you eleven and a half million pounds, ready and Ketia, could Arsenal turn it down? I think I, I don't know window, if we could. Yeah, when we're try- when we've been trying to sell more than ten players and we haven't made a penny <laughs> beyond, uh, I think Dinos Mavropanos is gone. Or is that loan with obligation? Like I think like it's a loan with obligation. So technically, I'm not sh- this actually, summer, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Well, we haven't I'm made much anyway. 
No, we haven't made much. And, and Man City have made fifty million pounds apparently. See, for me, it's not so much about the money we need to recoup because I think the the owners are. I personally think they are willing to invest some of their own money, but we'll we'll see about that in the long term. But I think it's more the numbers. You know, we had this conversation in one of our first podcasts back in November about people not being in the squad, senior players uh, not playing, but being around the camp and, and causing disharmony. And we saw the, the change in form after we got a lot of people out in January, but we've now had lots of people come back from loan. You know, you've got Maitland-Niles, you've got Torreira, you've got all these players. There's a load of players we've not even seen in friendlies that are going to come back and we can't have them sat around training every day so for so, me it's so about getting them out i know we wanted to make this podcast quite specific right but lacazette edin katia chambers el Neni, and kalasnach what do they all have in common <laughs> they don't move very fast <laughs> apart from that um they all have a year left on their deal i know okay. chambers might have some sort of extension in there yes um, i think he's got an option for an extension. he's got like an option for a year so i think that one's okay but those other four surely arsenal cannot go into like we can't go into another season with them on our rosters like okay so lacazette's 30 el neni's 29 Kalasnach is 28 all three of those uh i'm not going to get they're not going to get new deals. Lacazette might get like an extension. Mm. I just like what's going on there. Like, I actually quite like Lacazette, but how how can he how can how can the hierarchy look stay there and be like? Not only is he going to be our first choice striker this year, which he probably will be, right? Or or kind of in and around, he's going to make like twenty five to thirty Premier League appearances for Arsenal this season. You think? Mm. Because he he likes him up top. He likes that kind of wall, like then give him an extension. Like we saw murmurs of that news and extend his contract for another year, which means that you get another summer where you have a striker who's going to score 10 to 15 Premier League goals and you can try and sell next summer and bring another one. And like, if we look at 2023, right? Abamyang, Bellerin, Leno, Xhaka, Torreira, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Joe Willick, Willian, Reese Nelson. Hmm. Like you're talking about 13 players that have two years or less on their deal. Yeah. It's very concerning that these haven't been sorted out. Yeah. Really concerning. I, I, I think it's quite clear in Lacazette's case that the club would be delighted to move him on this summer and, and not give him that extra. And, and this is what I'm talking about in terms of creating space. The problem we've got is, you know, Lacazette isn't going to go to one of the top four clubs in England top five, six clubs in England. Um, the other clubs in the Premier League can't afford his wages. The clubs in Europe, even if we gave him away for a few million, can't afford his wages. I think he's on 200,000 at Arsenal. So unfortunately with him, it looks like a, a situation where he's probably quite happy. He knows he can play another season on 200 grand in London and then secure himself a massive signing on fee wherever he goes for a free transfer next year. But I think the club are, you know, the news has come out about Bellerin and Xhaka being offered new deals, um, which has alarmed a lot of people because obviously they were two of the main players we were looking to sell. Um, and in the case of Xhaka, you know, I'm not massively against him staying. I think he's he's definitely better than the offer, as we've said, that, that we've had. In Bellerin's case, I think it's, they know they're probably going to By the way, I'm out. amazed at how many Arsenal fans are just like, get him out of the door. Yeah, for whatever it, it's money. a desperation it's for so something weird. new. It's a desperation yeah. for something yeah, new. And, but we've got to be realistic as fans. For 10 million, you're not getting a better player than Xhaka. I'd be, you know, the, the new contract is questionable because I don't think he's ever going to have massive value now at his age. No. So it's probably worth just saying, right, instead of taking 10 million, we'll let him go for free in two years. You know, but like, okay. could could you give Xhaka a new deal? Let's say it's a okay. He's Granite Xhaka's twenty eight right now. He's going to be twenty nine in September. Hmm. Let's say you gave him a three year deal, which means his contract runs out in in twenty twenty four. 
could you not sell Xhaka for 10 million or let's say 7 million in summer 2022 or 23? Yeah. I, I mean, think... I wouldn't be confident it, considering who we've got at the helm, but mm. like, surely that's possible. Surely like, Gladbach yeah, but even like, yeah not... we'll, have, we'll have him back for like 8 million pounds. Do yeah. you know what I mean? I just don't see not... the, we've, there's, there's little downside for yeah. us in rejecting that offer. Exactly. Yeah, there's no real downside, even if he goes for free. It's not like Alexis Sanchez when we're turning down 60 and then swapping him for Mkhitaryan, who we then pay to leave one year later. You know, it's not a tragic situation like that. There's little downside in terms of a new contract. Yeah, if we give him more than an extra year on top of his two, so three years, I think that would be um, silly at at this point in time. But yeah. I think we could sell him for 10 million next season. Easy. Um, but I think the situation in centre midfield, I know we've got Lukonga in. The reason I wanted to move Xhaka on is that both Xhaka and Partey are sort of that 28, 29 age. And we're looking yeah. to bring in younger players. And you don't want to be replacing both of your cent- starting centre midfielders at the same time, really. So I wanted a younger even if it's a younger version of Shaka that's a bit more mobile, because I think ability-wise, you know, he's got mistakes in him, but he does add a lot to the team. Um, I just wanted to sort of refresh that that age part of the squad, really. Mm. Um, that takes Do you us want to, to talk about... Go on, sorry. I yeah, I was going to say that... Bellerin for a bit. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I never want to talk about Bellerin for a bit. <laughs> for those who uh, didn't watch the game... I think he's doing his best to accelerate the move out of the club um, with what happened in the friendly yesterday. But I watched him really closely after it went in mm. and he just looked like, you know, when you just don't want to be somewhere. Yeah. Like you've re- like it's like the end of a club night and you're kind of in the corner because like a couple of your mates don't want to leave. <laughs> it, he, it was that kind of vibe. Like he really didn't want to be there. And I just... I, think I just really think his time at Arsenal is up, and I just hope yeah. that you know he's gonna he's gonna leave like very amicably. Like the Arsenal fans love him, even if you don't like him as a player. I like like for me, I dislike Bellerin as a football player. Really like him as a person. Yeah, he, he'll you know he'll and he'll he's been at the be... club a long time. Yeah, absolutely, and he took a massive risk coming over um, when he did at his age, and like you know uh, language, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And he's he's become like a, you know a really big part of the the kind of culture at Arsenal mm. and kind of he represents the values really well I think now we need to get rid at like a decent price like I think if you can get upwards of like 17 18 million for Bellerin that'd be good business he's got two years left on his deal so mm. you know what would we realistically get for him next summer especially in a in a season he doesn't play much because I think it looks like Callum Chambers is going to be our first choice right back next season mm. which is pretty crazy to say isn't it like if well, if we were having this conversation last summer and I was yeah. like, in summer 2021, we're going to start our season with Callum Chambers at right back. You'd be like, what the fuck is going on? I hung up on the call. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just more example of, of bad planning because I think we had a bid or at least interest around the 20 million pound mark from PSG for him last yeah. summer. You know, Maitland-Niles and Bellerin we had sort of offers or serious interest around a, a joint 35 million. We'd do anything to get that for them both now. Um, Cause that's second and third choice, or even Cedric's probably ahead of Maitland Niles. It's the second and fourth choice right back. Um, but yeah, we could talk all day about that. I, I wanted to touch on the, the striker situation. Um, just before we get into that, I just wanted to say yeah. one thing. The reason why the Xhaka thing, not him not leaving 30 million, isn't that bad is because he's not like Maitland-Niles, uh, Nketiah and Bellerin, where you might only get that offer once. Mm. Like, Xhaka will be bought. You you could sell him for 10 million this summer, next summer, next summer. Like, there, like there's no doubt about that. Like, even if he didn't play a minute for Arsenal this season, he's rated by enough coaches in the world. He's played enough minutes for Switzerland, got enough caps, got enough appearances under his belt across two decent teams but you would be able to sell him for 10 million pounds. So that's why I'm not really concerned about that one. Yeah, I think it's disrespectful any fan who, who sort of saying sell him for 10 million. Um, he's been a key part of every, every 
um, Arsenal squad in the last five years. I know that's not done very well, but under three different managers, he's respected. You know, he's an important part of the Switzerland team, did really well in the Euros. Mourinho really wanted him at Roma. It was, it was his sort of main signing that he wanted them to, to do. And, you know, he, he is an important player for us. As I say, I just think it's important that we tried to move on from that but maybe we've got to wait next summer till that but um yeah and and you never know right like there could be a situation where Lokonga does really really well and displaces him mm. you know like now we we suddenly have a far better third choice well it looks like it or feels like anyway a far better third choice or maybe not better as a footballer but better suited to what we want to do in the Premier League than Ceballos and Elneny like yeah. one of the big reasons that like I was concerned about Xhaka is that the downgrade between him and our third choice best central midfielder was so great. Mm. Um, so now that we've seemed to nudge that gap and I think like if you brought in someone else like, a, you know, I mean, we're talking about Basuma, we're talking about Bruno Gumarash, we're talking about that type of caliber of player where, you know, they would be starter slash third choice and that would be like a nice like if you had a, a central midfield quartet of party Xhaka, like a Basuma type profile or a Bruno Gamaresh or uh or whatever mm. and and Lakonga, I think that's a really nice midfield. Yeah. Like it, it really is. I, I think, think there's there, no way there we do much it. better we could do. Yeah, I think there's no way we do it, but the ideal situation is okay, Jack is staying because it's better to have him than ten million, even as a backup. We still make the signing we wanted to make to replace him. We sell El Nene, Maitland Niles, um, to, to create that space. And we have, as you say, like Bruno, I would like from Leon. We have Bruno and, and Jack on one side, we have Lacongo and Party on the other. And I think especially when we're starting to see Partey already pick up another injury. Uh, yeah, yesterday, that's that's a little bit concerning. We do not want Xhaka Elneny for most of the season. So if I, you know, if the club was serious and really ambitious, I think they look at it and, and think, right, we still make the signing. We sell Xhaka next year. Um, and we have that sort of transition period for, for whoever the new player is, especially if they're from outside the Premier League, having that season with Xhaka still there and sort of sharing the time a little bit. Would be good, but I, I have no hope that that will actually happen. That's just sort of a, a dream scenario that I have. Quickly then, to to sum up, um, another problem we have is seemingly an attack. So for <laughs> for people who haven't watched species and friendlies, I don't think Aubameyang scored a Has goal. Has he had a shot on target? He did. Or was his overhead kick? Did that hit the bar? Or was it slightly? Oh, it hit the bar. It hit the bar. Yeah. So Aubameyang hasn't scored and has missed. I think between the sort of four friendlies, has missed like five, at least five very good chances. Um, and we sort of brushed it off. It's preseason friendly, but the season's starting very soon. We know Arsenal don't create a huge amount of chances, and so it is quite troubling when. A player who, it's fair to say, doesn't do an awful lot other than um, finishing and getting in the right positions to, to finish isn't. We've got Lacazette, who, as we've touched on, one year left on his contract. The club have very clearly been open to offers for him this summer. We've got Nketiah, who, who barely played at all, um, has played a little bit in pre-season on the left wing. It feels like, to me, that was being just to you know, fill a gap whilst there's no Saka Martinelli. Um, yeah, the squad. We've got Balogun, who's signed a new deal, but in the last couple of friendlies hasn't even been on the bench. I don't believe hasn't come on. Mm. Um, so there's there's four names there, and obviously we've got Martinelli to come back, who can play through the middle. But Arsenal have been linked um, quite heavily with Tammy Abraham from Chelsea, mm-hmm. and also with Lotaro Martinez from Inter Milan, which. Would be a sensational coup if we managed to do it. We we're looking at around the sixty million pound mark for for someone like him, and I'm sure a bigger club would come in if we did start to make that move. But you know, what what does it tell you, Pet? That Arteta, I think it's very clear to me, Arteta wants a, a new number nine and a starting number nine, really. 
Well, it tells me that he's kind of looked at the ages, the contract situations of both the players that you mentioned, Aubameyang and Lacazette. Mm. Balagoon is too young. And also, Eddie Nketiah maybe doesn't have the ceiling and also doesn't have the contract length and maybe doesn't really have age on his side either, considering he's kind of 21 going on 22 now and, mm. you know, hasn't established himself that much in the Arsenal ranks. I think, interestingly for me, is that the difference in profile, like we, we kind of, I don't know if anyone watched the... the the friendly, but in the second half, like the way that Tammy Abraham was kind of able to both hold the ball up and stretch us was very interesting in that like Lacazette holds the ball up really well and he's probably better at it than Tammy Abraham, right? But there's no, like he cannot stretch defences and it means that if you're a defence, you can push up really, really high on Lacazette because he's not going to run in behind you. Mm. Now, Aubameyang, if he plays up front... He can't hold the ball up, doesn't really get involved into play, tends to sometimes drift out of the game and out wide, but will give teams that worry in behind. Mm. So I think you're looking at kind of a player in Tammy Abraham, for example, who I actually really rate. Like, I think if we were getting linked to Tammy Abraham the season after he scored 15 goals in his first 25 starts, yeah, in his first, like his first. Uh, Premier League season for Chelsea we'd be like you know that's great at 21 mm. years old like that's Nketiah's age now like if Nketiah scored 25, like 15 goals and 25 starts for Arsenal this season we'd be absolutely buzzing Yeah. now I'm not saying Tammy Abraham is going to come in to Arsenal and do that out the blocks I'm not even saying for £40 million he's like a must buy but I think if that price is like £30 million I do start to think, like, is it an opportunity that we will massively regret? Like, I, I really think we'll regret not signing Emi Buendia, right? Mm. And I think I, I, I think I said from the start, like, selling Emi Martinez was maybe going to come back to haunt us. I do think this might be one of those situations again. Like, if he was available for, like, around about the £30 million mark or, like, it's, like, £28 million plus add-ons or whatever. Mm. I do think... And I'm not saying that he'll do that at Chelsea because I, clearly Tuchel doesn't rate him and, you know, they're being linked to Lukaku and Haaland, so the route for him to, to kind of progress there seems kind of shut it off. But I think that he would score goals enough for a lot for... I think he's. I think his average is, like, 0.58 goals per 90 in the Premier League or something like that, which is yeah. pretty impressive. Um and then Lautaro Martinez, obviously completely different profile. We're looking at kind of like more of a, more towards the Alexis Sanchez type mould of player. Not just saying that because they're both South American. Um, the kind of low centre of gravity, loves to shoot, um, very creative, great dribbler, strong on the ball, um, bit more of a creative option. And again, like one of the worries for me is like, you wouldn't bring him in to be like a, a, a sole number nine. He'd be a, a player that maybe plays off off the front or maybe even off the left in that kind of like Levetsi inside forward role. Um, so I do, I do kind of wonder about that one. Like, I don't, I don't know if you could bring in, I don't know if you could bring in Lautaro Martinez and play him with a Bamiang up top. Like he'd probably have to play off Lacazette or something, which would complicate things. Um, mm, I, I, I think if he, if you can get him first and foremost, you get him. Um, yeah. You know, we're Arsenal, we'd be in eighth place and we can sign one of the best strikers in Europe from last season you're not going to have this opportunity very often. I, I think you make the signing. I think from what I've seen of him, um, he could play as the number nine, but you just would have, you know, Pepe quite advanced to his right or yeah. Saka quite advanced to his right. And, and even it might make Aubameyang on the left work um, because, you know, Lacazette, when he played number nine, drops extremely deep. And Lotaro is very good at link up as well. He's very aggressive, mm. will you know, work hard defensively as well as going forward. So I think he'd be really good. And as you say, Abraham, I think it's an improvement. You know, I've seen some people say, just play in Ketia if you're going to get Abraham. But it's like Abraham physically can do so much more. And then we say, oh, Eddie's good at scoring goals. You know, I've just I've just had a look. As you say, Abraham scored 15 Premier League goals in that season under Lampard. Eddie's only scored four Premier League goals in uh, 20, 30 Premier League games. No, 35 goals in 35 Premier League games. A lot of that from the bench, admittedly. But you can't say Eddie's great at scoring goals. You know, that's his main positive. 
and he scored way less. You know, he's much worse at goal scoring than Abraham. And um, you know, compare the two because Abraham offers a lot more as well. I don't think he'd be an incredible signing, but I think if you can swap in your squad Lacazette for Abraham, you do it. Yeah. And I think Chelsea, you know, as we said, they've got a lot of players they need to sell. You know, it was rumoured they wanted 40 million for Abraham. No one's come with that. And they've dropped it to sort of 30 million. So there's potentially a deal to be done south of 30 million, which English, that age, I don't think there's a lot of downside again there because you'll be able to, to resell them around a similar amount. But we need to decide where we're going. I think it looks good for Balogun because he can hold up the ball. And I think Arteta does want a number nine that can do that a bit better than Aubameyang. Um, Aubameyang and Nketiah can do. And that's why in pre-season we've seen Aubameyang and Nketiah play a lot on the left. But, you know, why are we giving Aubameyang the massive contract if he's just going to be playing on the left a little bit and we want a new massive... A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but we want a new big signing up top a year later. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. But yeah, I think given the lack of goals last season, the lack of goals in pre-season, I know it's only pre-season, but there has been a... In the behind closed doors, we scored quite a few. But in the other friendlies... You know, against Chelsea yesterday, an actual Premier League team, we we scored a header from a corner. Um, I think the attack does need refreshing. And I think it's being overlooked, that situation, a bit. But it's a case of we need to get people out. We need to sell Lacazette, we need to sell Nketiah, probably both of them, before we can sign um, a new forward. What would be your dream scenario, Pet, with with the attack in terms of what can happen in this next month, the last month of the transfer window? Well, ideally you do a, a kind of a Lacazette to Abraham swap. Cause I think that's kind of similar to the Xhaka to Ruben Neves type thing. Although mm. I think Abraham is the, the, this like the difference in quality between the two players, I think is smaller in the Lacazette Abraham department. And I actually think the profile might fit, better what we're trying to do from a footballing standpoint he's got a bit more pace as well hasn't he? he's got yeah, a bit more pace he's 6-4 like he'll have a point to prove if he leaves retail Chelsea, value english yeah english blah 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 like i i think if you can do that you do that i think i mean if we're counting attacking midfield as the attack i think for me i'm really against the james madison shout like mm. I know like people are talking about him as if he's like you know Jack Grealish which is not <laughs> do you know what I mean like James Madison has disappeared in the second half of both of the last two seasons he's had a hip injury which he's had surgery on and then relapsed on that he's been kicked out of the England squad for going to a casino he's been caught having fights with people when he was at Norwich and stuff in clubs and apparently has said to people like do you know who I am do you know how much money I've got do we are we really going to spend 60 million on this bloke it's not really right between the heads not really too certain on in like on the pitch I've seen shouts about him playing the eight like how many times has James Madison played in in like an attacking eight for like more than five or six starts like there was a period that Leicester played like four one four one for a bit, and he played in like left centre midfield. But even then, he was quite advanced. Like it would morph into a four four two at times. Like I just, if you pay sixty seventy million for a central attacking midfielder who can only play in the ten, in my opinion, he better be Bruno Fernandez, or there's no point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I know JB's going to hate me for saying that if he listens, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like James Madison, I like I like when we signed Özil. There was that thought of like, there is a player who we've had the opportunity to sign that we cannot pass up on because he's world class and it will elevate our level and status as a club on the pitch and off the pitch. James Madison, I just really don't think does that. Like, See, I I'm think. A... Go yeah. on, sorry. I was just say I'm a bit mixed because I think, I think the price point's very high, and I get all of your concerns um, that you listed. I think part of me wants us to have a bit more arrogance though. So his, his sort of cockiness, I know off the field, it's not ideal, but I think on the pitch, we actually could benefit from a bit of that. Um, I think it's too much money, but again, as we sort of chatted about with White, 
we're in a position, we, we've got to be realistic here. We're, we've been eighth place back to back. And when you can sign a player who I, I do think would improve our starting 11, because I think even if you think Smith Rowe is ahead of him, I think you put, you're better with Smith Rowe on the left and, and Madison playing in the 10. You know, he gets in the best 11. He, he works his way into the best 11. So, But if, are you not scared about the fitness concerns? You know, it's hard for, for us to make judgment. As we've seen with Partey, he had no injury before joining Arsenal. So it looked yeah, like you know, that was one hips, of the benefits. Your hip is not something you like. I've had hip injuries before. Like, they don't just piss off. Especially mm. if you've had fucking, like, surgery on it. I'm a bit... I think... I'm really I, worried by that. Yeah. Let's look at the actual minutes, because I saw someone say that it's not actually that bad. I, 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 I know that it might not be that bad, be that bad but if you're having hip surgeries at 24 and you're relapsing from them six months after yeah so i, d- played, I don't know I've three sh- seasons oh. three seasons in the premier league he's had 36 out of 38 first season and then the le- next two have been 31 games so i don't know I, i'm not a doctor at all and i'm sure the club would do <laughs> i wish you at all how can you be a little bit of a doctor <laughs> Well, there's a lot of people can I, on Can Twitter I just say there. one thing? I think Emile Smith-Rowe will get more goals and assists next season than James Madison. Yeah, but even if he did, I think, you know, what I said about the benefit of the, the loan signing with Odegaard is even if we didn't get him permanently, that we've seen that we need another player yeah, like that him. That is true. That, that is that, very true. That's the main thing. I'd find it hard to get angry if after this podcast, we agree £60 million deal for Madison because it improves our starting 11 and I look at our starting yeah. 11 for Brentford and I think you know, <laughs> White's come in but he's really just replaced Louise maybe a slight upgrade but the main White's come in but he's got El Nenny in front of him and he's got Bellerin to his right <laughs> exactly you know we have and Leno behind him we finished eighth we've lost Odegaard as well so know, let's but... talk about Odegaard for one second before we, we wrap up because I think we're coming up to an hour mm. What would be the price point where you're like, we have to sign him? I think Arteta's first choice is still Odegaard, even over Madison. Really? I, you know, I've seen some crazy things in my in, in my view that people are saying it's not either or, that he wants both, but I think there's no chance <laughs> no that way. happens. No way. Um, I just think the lack of movement on the Madison stuff or even any other attacking midfield target has been because the club... I think they knew with Madrid, they'd say, no, he's not for sale at the start. And then the realism would kick in. A, they need money. B, they've got a lot of players in that position. And as we move towards the end of August, you know, we've got Smith Rowe, who's not gone to the Euros. He's fresh, ready to start. So we're not desperate to get Odegaard in for the first game. I think the club know, even if it's a loan, with option to buy, that they'll be able to do some kind of deal for Odegaard. And I, I think there's still a good chance that happens. Um, maybe as we move later in the window and it seems clear it definitely won't then we'll move for someone else Madison or someone else but I think the club it's a case of whether Madrid will sell him and I think anything less than 30 or below um, you've got to do it really for his for his age and his ability you really do Mm. I totally agree do you think you, you sort of said Odegaard wasn't the first choice there. Do you, do you not think um, that? I, I do kind of see the, you know, the, the massive in, in increase in ability from a starting 11 standpoint of having James Madison. Granted, if he's fit and if he wants to play and if he actually performs well for a whole season rather than just half of season. Hmm. Um, I see, I see that logic. Like, I maybe Arteta sees that as the easy way out. Like, okay, I've I've gone and got Ben White. That's a centre back who's played in the Premier League. He's he's played every minute of last season, and he he plays exactly the way I want a centre back to play. And then he kind of thinks, well, I've got Party, and then I've got Shaka, and if I add Madison there and I have a Bamiyang or Lacazette up top, suddenly that spine starts to resemble one that is a top four type finish spine. Mm. So. The the thing about Odegaard is, for me, 
in terms of the ceiling of the value of the deal, it's way better in the Odegaard case. Mm. But is it, you know, maybe he's looking at like, well, if we pay 30 million more, we get someone in his eyes anyway, because I don't think this, because I think, because I have really real doubts like on the on the pitch and off the pitch and fitness wise, he might be thinking, if I pay 30 million pounds more, I get a proven Premier League player who's been at a top, nearly top four club over the last two seasons and been one of the best in this position. Now, again, like I have some concerns over like a load of people banding around like really stupid metrics like, um, oh, Odegaard only only uh, created one big chance or whatever. When people actually don't know, like big chances by Opta, they're, they're actually totted up by analysts who are sitting there watching the game. And sometimes they just look at a chance and they're like, yeah, that's a big chance or that's not. And it's pretty subjective. So if you're james madison and you're putting a really good cross in for a corner and it's a header from like seven yards out a lot of people will look at that and this is what some opto analysts will do they'll look at that and be like that's a great chance what well, an actual check fact like statistically headers are, are quite hard to score that header might have been a 0.2 xg of a chance right which there's no kind of objective definition of a big chance which means those those stats are often quite misleading Mm. and i do think madison's stats are probably buffed by the fact that he does take every single set piece in a team that he ever does and i'm not saying that's a bad thing i'm just saying that like you know in terms of kind of like the the stats being banned about i I think they're a bit weird um yeah i I would personally sign odegaard if i had the chance but yeah james madison 60 million i think would be a crazy move i think it would be yeah, I think it would be. I think it would be pretty crazy, especially after, like, what I consider pretty smart business on the Tavares and and Lukonga, like getting those two for twenty five million pounds combined. Like, if you sold them next summer, you'd probably make almost double. Um, and Ben White, okay, overpriced, but in terms of like what we got, I think it's it's going to be good business considering. I I think he, you know, Touchwood won't get injured. Mm. The Madison one, I'd be like, mm, yeah, no, thank you. That's a bit too much, and I'm not. Sh- I'm not set on him. I'm. Not, I'm really not sure about him. Yeah, I get people's concerns on Odegaard in terms of um, goals because we need goals from midfield, but then we've got Willock as an option as well there. But yeah, as you're saying, I think Odegaard quite a, got quite a lot of pre-assist. He often plays the pass before the big chance is created. There's clear quality there. You'll only get better. It was his first six months in England. You you look at loads of other players who've improved massively after six months or their first year goes well you're doubling your money back to Spain if you sell him um, and I don't think there's much downside either so yeah the, the key thing for me is we get one of them or if not one of those two we get someone who can either improve the 11 or get very close to it consistently but let's see what happens um, for those of you who are listening for the first time because we had a lot of new listeners for the Ben White podcast which was our last one we do tend to record on Mondays during the season. As I say, in the off-season, we've been uh, lacking a little bit on that, it's fair to say. But we are doing podcasts after major events, major deals uh, and things like that. But with the new season starting in a couple of weeks, we'll be uh, picking it back up with weekly podcasts. So if you're not already following us on Twitter, please follow us at Fresh Arsenal Pod, And please subscribe on whatever you're listening to. I've been Ollie Price Bates at O-L-I-P-R-I-C-E-B-A-T-E-S on Twitter. And I've been joined by Pet today. Unplug yourself, Pet. At Pet Barisha, P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A on Twitter. Hating on Leno mostly. <laughs> and we uh, have a couple of other people who are quite frequently on the show. Um, so stay tuned for future podcasts and we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. Anything else, Pat? No, apart from buying your keeper, nothing.
Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.